thrilled to have the institutional fundraising platform Instrumental join us as a multi-episode sponsor in Season 5. Instrumental CEO Gary Monglick has created a mini-series of grant tips to help you be more efficient and strategic in your grant seeking. Listen in on today's tidbit. How long should a grant professional spend conducting grant prospect research? The real answer is that it's an ongoing process. There are always new programs getting announced or that are changing. You likely have new programs or initiatives in your organization that, um, and you might also be having um, kind of changes at your programs. Uh, so you want to kind of see if there are new funders or new grants that might be available now. So ideally, you're allocating a percentage of your time each week or each month to researching new funders, and you're using a tool like Instrumental to make that process efficient. To find out more, check out instrumental.com. Use coupon code HEYDAY50 for $50 off the first month of Instrumental. That's I-N-S-T-R-U-M-E-N-T-L dot com. Hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 5 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit, local government, or are a consultant who serves them. On Fundraising Heyday, we will, rest assured, cover some how-tos, but we also want to explore the whys of things, including poking the bear of inequity that roams all the halls of philanthropy. (laughs) And as always, we're doing this every two weeks with the help of experts in the field and the fundraising heyday brand of entertainment, which may include songs. (laughs) You're a brand! (laughs) (laughs) A brand that includes songs, cheesy sound effects, and the occasional y'all. Also ranting. Yes, because learning does not have to be boring, so... Let's get started after a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know? that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Welcome or welcome back to the pod. We are so glad that you're here. This episode explores a strange and somewhat unsettling dichotomy in my personality and career. Amanda, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, well, I never really know what's going to come out of your mouth. You know I'm always ready to <laughs> that hear That makes it. two of us, girl. That makes two of us. <laughs> oh, Lord. I mean, sometimes I, what I love about working with you is where we are able to, we complement each other and um, we accept each other even though we're a little different. Very true. Just, I just would like to say that, so I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. As my it. dad used to tell my sister and I all the time, variety is the spice of life. We're spicy. We're so spicy. Yeah, spicy. So <laughs> back to the matter at hand. Over the last decade, um, it may not be any surprise to any of y'all listening that uh, grant applications in particular have been getting shorter and shorter, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of this is driven by 
trends in online applications, portals, um, the development of uh, different kinds of technology, right? And maybe a realization that applications do not have to be ridiculously long. I am referring to private. I'm referring to private. And I have thoughts and feelings about this, Amanda, as you know. Oh, I can imagine. As someone who just wrapped up a three-week review process of a federal grant application process, but yeah, sometimes I wish some of those federal proposals were shorter. As the one reviewing them, I'm like, oh my gosh, how many more pages do I have See? to read? So See? there's, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons of each, right? There's, it's the happy medium we need to find, I think. It's, I mean, there's the space to tell your story. Yes. And then there's also, you don't want 100-page applications, unless you're a 21st century learning grant or a giant yes. DOD or something like that, where I'm like, okay, justified. I, but there's, yeah, there's like that middle ground. I, I've been used to shorter applications for years because most of my early to mid-career was spent mainly on private and corporate foundations with a sprinkling of state and federal um, but I think maybe, Amanda, you have a fresher take on the shorter grant applications because you're kind of, we're like mirror images in our careers in that respect, right? Yeah, because I started more with the federal proposals and um, now have been doing more and more of the foundation, you know, the yeah, corporate yeah. type applications that sometimes are just, they ask, they may ask a lot of questions, but for each question, you only have. 150 words. Like I just finished one not long ago that every question you had 150 words to answer. And for some questions that was plenty of space to tell the story. Right. But for others, it was not so much enough space in my opinion. And so it's, or if you're going to have 500 words, which is long. Yes. Um, don't ask 12 questions. I'm just, yeah, exactly. I'm just putting that, yeah. I, I promise, I promised I wasn't going to rant about that today. But <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, this is kind of me like if you were new to the Atlanta area, this is me telling you, hey, traffic sucks here. <laughs> and I'm not going to get into the root cause of it, but I'm just going to say, no, that traffic is really bad. Mm -hmm. And so here are some tips and tricks around this bad traffic. So this is a yes. how-to episode. I Absolutely. And whether it's been your first six months as a grant writer or your first 30 years, <laughs> tips and tricks are always good, right? Like I, you and I have both been doing this for a long time, but I still webinars and set, I learn new things every time I go to, I any learn sort new of things with or, every guest on our podcast. Well, there's that straight too. up. And I'm so. just, I, 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 I never want to assume that I know everything because the second I do, or the second my, I let my ego speak for me, the pride takes a fall and deservedly yes, so absolutely. it deservedly so because there's always something new to learn or a fresh perspective that is not your own. Yeah. So what we're going to do today is walk through some methods that have helped Kimberly and I stay on a word or a character count. And we hope you find something new or maybe get some validation about how you're doing it. So why don't we get started, Kimberly? Let's do it. So first up, I want to talk about um, some overall approaches to just grant writing in general or just writing as a whole, no matter what kind of writing that you do. But clearly, we're going to be talking a lot about grant writing because it is the Fundraising Heyday podcast. Yes. I think it's one of these – I'm inviting you <laughs> to understand how you work. And maybe some of y'all are going, Really? Really, Miss Woo Woo? Really? But let me explain. If you understand your process – 
and understand what works best for you. It's going to help you when you're in these tricky situations where you have 12 questions per 250 word portal and a uh, maybe a corporate grant proposal, and you're mm-hmm. you, you're having to just condense, condense, condense. I think it's helpful to understand your approach, and sometimes you just have to stop and think about it, right? Um, and it's also, I don't know how else to say it, but it, I just will. Just don't make assumptions that everybody works like you, just straight up, because True. I am um, working now and, and have worked with a wonderful, wonderful um, colleague, and we have very different writing and it is it's not Amanda although she is also a very wonderful colleague I am blessed (laughs) with wonderful colleagues and I'm learning every day but we have very different styles and as you may know if you've been listening for a while I um, love to write fiction particularly young adult historic mysteries and I've taken classes in this and I was so fortunate to be in a great class but I was learned something there that definitely applies to how to understand your grant writing process and the, the kind soul who was ministering to our, our pod of writers who have been selected to participate in this has extensive screenwriting experience as well, including mm-hmm. like a, a degree or some sort of certificate. And they described it thus, in the screenwriting world, someone will come up and say, hey, are you character or concept? And it's not... I mean, you could argue, well, that's just really by bi- that's binary. Sometimes are you more drawn to writing about the character or more drawn to the high concept? But by and large, most commercial Hollywood style projects fall into one of those two categories and screenwriters tend to lean one way or another. There are exceptions. But the way they presented it was, you know, both approaches are completely valid. It just helps the other people on the team because in Hollywood, it's my understanding that there are writers and then there's a production team. And I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds an awful lot like grant writing by committee, which is its own special hell. Let's be <laughs> but, but True. there seems to True be that. a lack of judgment about, you know, it's like, are you character or concept? Do you, do you drink tea or do you prefer coffee? Are you somewhere in between? But the idea of understanding as a grant writer, your approach I think could really help. And if you're collaborating or you are fortunate enough to build a team of grant writing folks, it really helps to understand their process too, particularly when you're on a tight deadline and you've got to write tightly and make stuff fit or you're helping someone edit stuff down. It's just real important to take a minute and understand that they may be different from you and that's okay. So instead of character versus concept, I want to talk about writing to fit versus getting everything on the page and then editing it down yeah. because I'm a right to fit kind of gal. I don't know. How about you, Amanda? I, I have morphed into one. I would say, I doubt I was at the beginning just cause I was like, Oh my gosh, I got so much I want to say. And right. especially coming from a background of having more sure. space, I used to have write more and have to cut, but uh, the more you do it, the more I'm, I'm to have now I'm like, Oh, 150 words. I kind of know what that's going to look like on the page. Exactly. And I, I prefer a right to fit. Now that doesn't mean I don't still need, a cut here, a cut there kind of a thing. But yeah, I'm not one that's going to write three pages if I only have a paragraph. But I can see the benefit in that if that is the way you organize your thoughts. Oh yeah. It just, for me, that's, that's not how I work. But But I've worked with some, I work with some brilliant folks and that is more their process. And I think it's just important to acknowledge that and go, Mm -hmm. okay, if I'm working with this person, they are they have a different approach, but they get to the so we'll work together knowing how we work. And yeah. maybe I'm with the 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 um sections that are 
either more clear cut or require writing to fit because there's just so much information that's got to go in there. And I have that mindset. Yeah. But I, just, I don't want to belabor the point, but understanding where you are most of the time on that spectrum can help you and it can help the people that work with you yeah. to, just to understand how to best work together. Because really, that's what it's about. I, don't, I think that grant writing as much as possible and as introverted as I am, as much as possible, it's helpful if it's not always a solitary activity. Certainly writing fiction has its big solitary moments, but I've learned the most from participating in a weekly critique group, right? Because mm-hmm. there ain't anything like putting your work out there week after week and, and talking through it. And you learn something. You learn by, I would also say as a grant writer, you learn, I've learned, I'll say this, I've learned a lot by grant reviewing, as Amanda pointed out earlier, but also by working with people whose techniques are different than mine yeah. and whose style is different than mine, but is really good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it makes me a stronger writer. Oh, absolutely. Very true. Well, next up, let's talk about measuring twice, but cutting and Maybe pasting just once, right? <laughs> um, so, so many applications these days, in my experience, especially the ones that are usually like you have 150 words or you have 300 characters, they tend to be in some sort of or- online portal, right? And so it really is a good idea to make that template in a Word document first. It just makes it so much easier for yourself. It makes it so much easier for whoever's helping you cut things or do whatever, right? And Kimberly's like, you all can't see her, but she's like, oh, yes. Also, Amanda is the nice one. Remember that? Amanda's <laughs> the nice one. I'm the one that's like, y'all, make your template. I don't even want to hear about it. Oh, I don't yeah. even want to hear oh, well, about I'm, it. I've got a um, – there's a client I work with now that – Instead of me writing the grants, they I'm I'm I come in later as an editor. Sure, so I'm which not is doing because they're they've got grant writers on staff who are new and learning. So, um, and yeah, they've got an online portal where that's where they did their work, and they wanted me to edit it. And what's the first thing I did? Cut and paste everything and moved it into a Word document. Again, because you the you the nice one. What I would say is y'all. Put this on a Word document so that Aunt Kim can look at it because I'm not messing with the portals today. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, but. Huh? Yeah, I did that because that's just because you're nice. Because you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. She's a sweet lady, and I'm happy to help her out. That's nice. Especially if she's a staff member that only is allowed to spend ten hours of her week on grants. So if I can help cut down some of her okay. hours, I will okay. do that. For her. But maybe moving forward, it's like yes, hey, I would recommend. We're gonna edit in a word document. Hello, exactly. How are yep. you? That's a Welcome. suggestion I will be making. Thank as you. I submit this thing. But um, but by putting it in Word first, um, it helps you to measure the, um, you know, it, whatever the count is. So you can write all your stuff, then you can go and see, am I within the limits? Am I, you know, and things, it's not even, are you over it? Like, are you over it by a few characters? Are you over it by 300 words? Like, how much are you going to have to come back in and cut? Um, and to then to get it to fit. So when you put it in the portal, it's going to fit. It's not, you're not going to get any error messages telling you it's too long, right? Um, one thing I will say about this method, though, even though I prefer to do the Word document, I have learned that sometimes, let's say it's 150 characters I've got to write, right? Word will tell me I've got 149 oh, characters. I'm like, Somebody's sweet. lying. Somebody's and then lying. you put it in the portal and it tells you you're over by dun, eight words. Dun, and you're dun. like, wait, what? I thought I was. And so... Um, the lesson there is 
don't wait till the last minute to transfer everything. Cause you may think, Oh, it's perfect. It's done in my word document. It'll take me two seconds to transfer it over to the portal. Maybe you may still have to do a little bit of cutting or trimming. Um, so make sure you check that out. And the reason why I harp so much on make a word document is because several years ago I was well, well into my grant writing career and I was getting a little cocky, right? I'm like, I got this. I'm going to just type right into the portal, whatever, man. It's just, it's just a, it's a th- about a program. I've been working here for six years. I know this. I've yeah. got this. I know I'm this. Gonna, I it's going to be quicker. You're going to get it knocked oh, out and move no, on with no. your life. And this is me. This is why I, you know, yeah. So I'm like, do, 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 do. Yeah. I'm putting this in. I'm putting this in and then boom, the power went out. <gasps> you lost everything, didn't you? Sure I did. Oh, so, you know, yeah. you're all like, wow, wow, Kimberly, you're super opinionated. I'm like, it's the voice of experience. And, you know, and I knew better. Of course, I still do things that, I, that and I know better and I still do them. But I'm just saying, you don't want that experience. And by the way, it wasn't a storm. It was uh, this particular facility was located around a lot of trees and the power lines. Maybe some squirrel met an untimely demise. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And the point is, I was like, I got this. I got this. And then. I didn't got it. And then I had to work even harder to make the deadline. When had I followed my own advice, I wouldn't have been. Oh, in that isn't that sometimes that's the most painful thing, you know, oh, like, I don't know how many times I've made mistakes and I'm like, how many times have I consulted with new yep. grant writers? Yep. And I'm like, don't ever do this. And I just did it. Cause I'm an idiot. No, cause no, I thought I knew, it's tired. cause I thought I knew better and you know, I don't, I need to follow like, the rules. I share yeah. with other people. So they work. So, I'm telling you, you do not want the experience that I had. I just, no one, no one, and it's going so easily avoided, but anyway. Um, and also, special shout out to funders that think making SurveyMonkey their grant application is a fine idea. Oh, I will have you, I, I may beat you. Sur- I've got one, Come one on. worse than SurveyMonkey. Okay, but, and then, but then, then we have to move on to tips because I, I yes. can feel us wanting to rant. Excel. Oh, oh, I know you know who you're talking about. I even know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, that's fun. It's a spreadsheet. It's It's not a grant application portal. So that's all we're going to say. Moving on. Are we okay with that? I'm okay. I'm I'm just, I'm bridling my tongue, as Grandmother (laughs) Hayes used to say. Sometimes you just have to bridle your tongue. Oh, Grandmother Hayes. Okay. So, so Amanda started out with the measure twice, uh, cut and paste once, which is, for me, a metaphor of construction, um, which I know nothing about, but I think it's a really it's really good advice in its own way. And I'll just add a, a gardening metaphor, because you know what? I don't like to garden either, but I appreciate the <laughs> metaphor. And I appreciate a good garden, and I'm deeply grateful that my husband really likes to work in the yard. Um, yeah, because when he first met me, I was in a condo. I'd be in a condo still. I'm down with that. I'm like, y'all cut that grass. Get on out there. There are plenty other things that bring me relaxation. Um, so I would also say, um, if we're talking about metaphors of construction and gardening, again, two things I do not know anything about, I would like to add some tools that I use to prune words, because by golly gum, I know about that. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are that freak me out a little bit about AI, and it, sometimes I joke about it. You know, I'm like, well, 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 will we never have to write grant proposals after a while? Because AI, you know, they'll just. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, well, until then, here's some cool tools that kind of function as AI that help me, particularly when I am um, under the gun or on the deadline gun, 
and really trying to condense. Because as careful as I am to try and write and f to fit, sometimes I'm left with a, okay, there's 50 words that have to go. If it's 50 and below, pruning is in order, right? As yeah. opposed to if you have, if you're two and a half pages over a five page limit, yeah. that's time to slash and burn. So mm -hmm. again, with the, again, with the gardening and farming techniques, but um, <laughs> two tools that I am proud to use. I do not get any endorsements from this whatsoever. Um, I guess I can take it off on my, uh, it is a business expense. So, but I mean, that's yeah. just normal way of doing business. Um, Grammarly, the paid version, um, because it does, it helps me suss out, oh, right. If I just took that clause away and put it at the end of the sentence, it would be shorter and would save me words. Yes. Rephrase button. Thank you. Yeah. And then of course I, I, and it doesn't take away the need to review everything carefully, but it can go through, um, and, and, help you particularly around active versus passive voice which we'll talk about in a minute and just some phrasing some complex and compound sentences that if you're writing tightly you probably need to not have those um, multiple phrases um, and things like that if you're if you're trying to prune your words if you're in a place where you're just wanting to cut and not slash and burn grammarly can be super helpful um, so I usually do two passes I'll do I'll write it, I'll read it, I'll cut what I can, I'll run it through Grammarly, and I'll accept or dismiss, accept or dismiss. Then um, when that's done, I'll run it through um, Word Editor, just the function in Microsoft Word. Mm -hmm. um, I use Microsoft um, 365, whatever the latest version is. And um, so it, I can't rely on it for everything, but it it's kind of like, I guess, using those pruning shears with the long handles that you could get up in the tree. It kind of helps me get to the space yeah. where I can clean up the other stuff. And then if I'm like 10 or then I'm like 15 words over, then I can like snip, snip and fix it. Yeah. So I just, I think they're, they're productivity tools that can really help grant writers. Um, but you can't rely on them to fix everything. It's just yeah. like having a tool to get it done. Well, and I would point out too, just because Grammarly or Word Editor makes a suggestion, you don't have it to take mean it. You have to take it, right? Because sometimes I use Word Editor mostly. I should use Grammarly. I don't. Um, but Word Editor, sometimes I'm like, no, that's exactly how I want to say it, and it's yes. it's not incorrect. There may be a, no. a way you think is better, but that doesn't mean. And you sometimes there are ways I'm like, y'all, that doesn't even make grammatical it's sense. Same, yeah. But I'm thank like, you, no, AI, because it makes me yes. feel better because I'm like, they they can't exactly replace me yet because sometimes they got some nonsense in there. Exactly. Well, and another thing I would say too is, you know, these are great AI tools, but sometimes a good tool is another person, right? Oh yeah. Um, and so being able to pass it off to, if you, you know, if you happen to work with a team of grant writers or, you know, when I worked for the city of Alpharetta, I was the only grant writer on staff, but I found, um, I had two coworkers that were both really good editors for things. Mm -hmm. Um, one of them, my boss, he was really good at all the grammar and stuff. Um, and then I had another coworker, she was a much better content editor. <clears throat> Excuse me. So she was helpful for things, you know, like if I was like, Hey, I'm 500 words over, you know, here's, here's what I have to answer. You know, what do you think is, you know, extra? And cause she's not married to it. So it works very nice. It helps. And, and that is ideal to have someone look at your work. I, it doesn't always happen, but yeah. it's, but 
if it if you can't have someone look at the work or if you can if you just if you trim it like the best you can at first even just using those tools mm-hmm. or other tools at your disposal and then pass it off then some of that just grunt work is already done yeah that's true and it, it, it's never a substitute for proofing and considering your content carefully but it can take you it can get rid of some glaring errors quickly and it, and it can save some time whether mm-hmm. you're looking at it next to another person. Well, and I would say too, if you are like, I don't have a man on staff who's good at any of that stuff, find maybe another grant writer that, and I, I traded that off before with other people. It was like, Hey, like we wouldn't read each other's if we were both competing for the same grant, but as Fair. long as we were working on, you know, one. And so it was kind of like, sure, you know, and Hey, while you're at it, would you read mine? And so we would just trade off grant proposals from time to time. Um, yeah, like, the, the big, like the big ones or oh, the ones yeah. where you're just like, if I look at this uh, and one more time, I'm just going to ransack Rome. I'm um, going to be, I'm going to be just on the, the war path. So yeah, absolutely. So we're Kimberly. I'm going to see your gardening imagery and I'm going to raise <laughs> you all the time. Yes. How about trimming huh? your sentence construction oh. titles? Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> some trimming. Um, so the first thing I would w- want to talk about is active versus passive voice. Okay. If you have been a long, long time listener, like you were around with us from season one, when we like, we let you binge all of season one. Remember we dumped them all at once. First of all, like, who hurt you, but we're glad you were with us. <laughs> we were like, Woo-hoo, we got a podcast. Listen away. Yeah. Um, one of our sessions that we did was on Stephen King's book on writing because I went through a phase a where book, I was yeah. really obsessed with that. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have to tickle my throat. That just doesn't want to hey, go away today. welcome to Atlanta during springtime. Well, the started. trees are all making love connections out there and pollen is okay. happening. Oh, <laughs> I I'm almost sorry. peed my tea And over. she choked. I'm sorry. And we're not in the same room, so I can't help her. All I can yeah. do is 911. There you go. Okay. So, but the reason I bring up that book Stephen King passive voice is one of his pet peeves, right? He basically said people who write in passive voice are lazy writers and they just need Which to is harsh. Away. It is. Well, it's Stephen King. Um, so yeah. I'm not going to say that you're a lazy writer, but I am going to say that the active voice is definitely Short. 99% of the time shorter. And so when you're writing tight, active voice is the way to go. And if you're sitting here going, Amanda, it has been years and years and years since I had any sort of English class. What is this active and passive voice of which you speak? Basically, when you write a sentence, to be a sentence, it typically needs two things, right? A subject and a verb. Who's doing the thing and what's the thing they're doing, right? And the active voice, it's very clear. It's here's the subject, here's the action verb, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so an example that you put maybe writing in a grant proposal the youth broke the law. Okay, so what happened? The youth, that's who it was doing the thing. And what did they do? Well, they broke the law. Writing that sentence in a passive voice would be something like, the law was broken by the youth. You're still sharing all the same information, but it's taking you longer to get there. And it's really not as strong as a, of a sentence, right? Because it's, the youth broke the law. It's kind of sharp and in your face versus, well, the law was broken by the youth. So um, to give you another example, um, an active voice could be something like 55% of patients failed the drug test. Passive version, the drug test was failed by 55% of patients. And I, I want to, I, Amanda can see me and she sees me raising yes. my hand like an idiot, but um, 
I understand why, and I'm going to talk about a little bit later on too, why people are like, oh, but you can't start a sentence with a number. And I'm like, you know what? If someone is giving me 250 characters, I'm going to start that sentence with a number because oh, it's controversial. Well, 55%. It's like, yes. but I can get where people are like, but it's wrong. I'm like, also, maybe it's not as wrong as going over your character count and cutting something really important. Yes. Oh, oh, the controversy. Oh, well, at, at us. Um, I will tell you, I would normally, I don't think there's anything wrong, in my opinion, with starting a sentence with a number. But if I did not have to worry about character counts, 55, I would write out as the first word of a sentence, right? See, Instead of using the number, you, I would write out could, 55. And I, you know where I, you know where I stand yes. on that. But, but I'm just for, like, when I'm limited to characters, oh yes. Yeah. But I, got, other things, like I typically writing, and, and here's the, here's what it all comes down to really when it comes to writing, whatever it is you're writing, short, long, federal, foundation, mm. You need to pick, make some choices in your style and stick with it throughout the entire application. And so I learned back in the day that if you were writing numbers, if it's one through 10, you spell it out. 11 and above, you write the numeral. I don't know why that was the rule when I was in school, but it was. So as a default, that's what I do. um, Yeah. But if I have a very limited space, even one through 10, I'm using the numerals, but I do it the same throughout the whole thing. So even if I'm reviewing a grant like that and I'm like, oh, they didn't spell out two, I'm going like, oh, they never did. That was a style choice. Okay, good for them. I mean, that doesn't, doesn't bother me. If you're trying to help people access behavioral health services who are ridiculously underserved because they're a marginalized population and I'm reviewing your grant. If their words are missing, words are misspelled, and your program does not have logic that I can discern, or yeah. you're missing attachments, I'm gonna mark you down. I will never mark you down for using for using numbers at the start of a sentence oh, if, no. if the application is so tight like that. I mean, I'm just exactly. come on, come on. Yep. Anyway, so but yeah, so again, active voice. Not only is it usually a much bigger impact, and it's easier to understand who's doing the thing and what it is they're doing. It's shorter. Okay, And you can even add, I mean, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but if it's like the evaluations will be administered to the students by the teacher chosen by the principal, it's just, you could flip that all around and pull out four and five words out of that sentence. It's like the principal chooses the teacher to administer the exam to the students. There's a lot of twos and I'm just doing it off the top of my head. I didn't have anything written down, but it's like that'll, if that saves you four or five words and you're in your word pruning phase, there you are. So sometimes you just got to go sentence by sentence and not every sentence should be see Jane run, run, Jane run. That's not what we're saying here, but you will be be surprised how many words you can save just by flipping the majority of your sentences, even longer ones, even compound sentences into more active formats. You will save. And that's what we're talking about today. And I would be remiss if I didn't share that my favorite image, like if you ever do images on active versus passive voice, my favorite one that always appears on the internet is the active sentence. You ate the bacon passive all the bacon was eaten by you and then the passive aggressive sentence all the bacon was eaten but it's okay nobody else wanted that bacon anyway Ooh. <laughs> oh 
Nice. Yeah. So let's avoid passive aggressive too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, let's just be aggressive. No, no, no. That's not no, what I meant. That's no. not what I meant. Um, one other thing I will talk about as far as shortening things is acronyms. Mm. I think acronyms are great, but you need to make sure that you define them the first time. Okay. Don't assume, oh, everybody knows what CDC stands for. Well, maybe after COVID-19, most people now know what CDC stands for. But before that, would they? I don't know. So, and plus maybe it means cars doing cartwheels. I don't know. Maybe that's your program. Oh, I like that. (laughs) But, um, so acronyms are fine, but just make sure that you spell them out. And I will say, if I've got a really long application, I tend, to, especially if I know I'm, if I'm, if it's the name of your organization, for instance, um, that you know, Kimberly and I both talked to before. We we work for an organization called Physicians Care Clinic. That's quite a mouthful, right? But their acronym is PCC, so we use that a lot. And so. I will say the physician's care clinic and then in parentheses PCC. And if it's a long application, I may further on the second or third page, again, say physician's care clinic PCC, just to remind them that's what this acronym is. But I don't spell it out every single time because that's, I mean, I'm I'm going from like 15, 20 characters to three. That's a, that's a lot of characters I can write other words about. Fair. So now we're going to do a quick lightning round of other tips because um, because something different. So I'm going to go first and I'm going to say quick tip for writing tightly, put your font on a diet. And by that, I mean, if you're using some big old fat font, um, think about there's some traditional ones like good old times Roman or times new Roman, depending on how it appears. That is going to be a thinner font. It's going to be a condensed font, even at the same point size. Calibri is another um, that is, I, I, I don't get crazy with my fonts. I choose, and but if you're trying to shrink something down to fit to a particular space, mm-hmm. like if you're, instead of writing into a portal, if you have a 10 page limit, Go through and change your font. Obviously, you want to go back and make sure that you're following all the rules and regs set down in the OFA or the RFP or whatever it is they call it, their instruction manual for the application. But it, it really, really can make a difference. Oh, and absolutely. Um, another thing to do if you are writing maybe a federal or state application that doesn't have, they, they ask like a million questions, but they only give you 10 double-spaced pages, then... But you can do charts that are single spaced, and you know that because you've read it. Then make you a chart if it's going to explain something. And even though it takes up real estate, you can get a lot done with a little flow chart and refer mm-hmm. to it. And that's another way to kind of tighten up your writing as well. To yeah. kind of sometimes when it's sometimes in those more traditional grant applications, you can use your choose your fonts well as long as it meets the their their policies. And think about a a, a quick graphic that could take the place of like 50 or 100 words so that's it okay lightning round amanda go um zap away all those sat words right (laughs) (laughs) we don't need a thesaurus we don't need to have these extra fluffy words keep it simple y'all okay Um, again i'm going to refer back to stephen king's book he talks about the first word that comes to your mind when you're writing is probably the right word that's why it came to your mind first and chances are it's not supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's probably, you know, the dog. 
And I mean, unless you're writing literary fiction or poetry where it is all about using words in a different way, yes. we're writing, we're talking about grants here and it needs to be clear and compelling. Mm-hmm. And also for those of y'all who maybe write in um, engineering, uh, engineering funding or medical funding, you got enough big words to throw around. Yeah. You don't need to, you know, it's like you, there, there are some highly technical language um and pretty much every field. So you don't have to, you know, you're not going to have a run Jane run kind of situation because you're going to be explaining complicated things. Mm -hmm. So I would say don't, you don't have to go for your complicated words and just, yeah, be simple with that. Um, Another lightning round tip here that could help you if you're struggling to condense and write tightly for a grant proposal is read it out loud. Right. And if you have to take a breath to finish every sentence, those sentences are too long. If you are just, if you now, obviously, if you um, have issues like lung issues or you're sick, you know, or something like that, your breath is going to be affected. But if you're feeling good and healthy and you've got normal lung capacity, you should be able to read a sentence and not take a breath. There's some sentences that might have to be longer because they might have names of things. Mm-hmm. By and large, breathing, having to huh, huh, between <laughs> between every sentence, it's like, yeah, maybe instead of a compound sentence, maybe that's two sentences. And maybe in breaking up those sentences, you could lose a transition word, which will save you. What yep. Anything else, Amanda? No. Well, and this is just something that may help too. Like I have one client that every year we, in our annual report, we do a feature article on a client. Um, and so, and that's, you know, it's like a two page article. I tend to use that for the next year as a story example of these, here's an example of the kinds of people we serve. And so I take the time to ahead of time, write. Here's my 500 word version of the story. Here's my 150 character version. So then when I know I've got some I don't have to figure out, Oh, I've got to write this, but how am I going to squeeze it in? I've already got it done, you know? And if, if I end up needing a 300 word, well, I'll create it and then I'll have it in my list for the future. So the next time I've got 300 words. Um, so there may be some things like that, that, you know, you're going to use all the time that it may be worth some time sitting down, like your mission statement, you know, do they, how much, you know, do you have a really long mission statement that sometimes you can say it all, but other times you can't. So you just start thinking about the things that you like, I say this information all the time. Let's spend some time and try to specifically write it to certain character counts. So then it's already done and you're not having to go like, wait, I think I've done this before. How did I, what did I cut out? What did I decide was important? Um, You just kind of have your, your gallery of, of things ready like, to go. Like um, org, org history or background. Oh, or absolutely. Yeah. What are, the, what are your programs? You know, yeah. yeah. There's some things I think that you can figure out how to write in a couple of different space settings. So. And um, I want to also throw in a quick mention. I think it is important to have a style guide, particularly if you know, you're working with a larger team or organization so that everything comes out using like is healthcare one word or two y'all. Yeah. Talk about that and get that down. But I would also say sometimes you might need to go back to your style guide. If you developed your style guide 10 years ago, or you inherited it when you came into a new position, as you know, you're, we're being asked to particularly for corporate and private funding to write shorter and shorter, tighter and tighter. And as, um, 
as we said a little bit earlier in the podcast, I'm like, you know what? I feel you that you want your numbers all written out because someone taught you that a long time ago. And consistency is important. But maybe you have style guide exceptions for these super type, like for a federal mm-hmm. proposal, do what you've got to do, but for and, and be consistent. But is there also a way to develop consistency so that in these very tight, more challenging in terms of space kinds of proposals, you have a default that's like, in that case, you know, do this, right? Put Use numerals instead of numbers or however it is that works for you. And just agree on that and move forward because I just, I don't see the point of clinging to tradition when you're no longer being asked to prepare those proposals in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's costing you valuable space that you could spend about talking about your mission. And again, if you if you only write giant federal grants and you've come this far and you're like, what are they even talking about? I'm like, well, you know, stay for the singing or what ranty things. But <laughs> um, but that being said, the one space saver that I will not recommend is taking out the Oxford comma. I mean, I'm not I, I, Amanda will like will cut you about an Oxford <laughs> comma. She'll cut you. And as even though she's the nice one, like don't poke that bear. But I actually, that is not something I would recommend pulling out because you couldn't, you, you might inadvertently make a really funny sentence. And if someone's reviewing your grant at the end of a long yes. work day, you don't want them to laugh unless you were trying to be funny. You don't want them to laugh because you have a blooper. So mm-hmm. I say take, make the numbers numerals, right? Instead of writing them out, but leave that Oxford comma. Yeah. Well, I know I told this story in another episode, but I once used an ampersand in an application because I literally had like a hundred characters to explain the benefits of a massive infrastructure project. And I spent more time writing that one sentence. And finally I was like, to get the bare bones of what I need, I can't even write out and, or it won't fit. And I just decided, you know what, again, we've talked about this before, knowing your audience, it was an engineering grant. Engineers were going to read it. I was like, yeah, they don't care that I used an ampersand and we got funded. I mean, again, I've only done it once and I'm not saying go do it, but I am saying sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm also, I also, again, not a rant, but it's, I think that grants, the, those types of grants are getting tighter and tighter because somebody who's designing this on the other end, who's never written a grant, she said, not ranting, simply stating probably a fact, um, <laughs> It, you can spend more time trying to fit a very tight space in writing yes. than, than writing it all out in complete sentences. And we want to acknowledge that. That is why we were spending an entire episode trying to give you some mm-hmm. tips to wait through that. But I think it's well-meaning, but I think it's done by people who maybe d- have never tried to do that before, yep. which... Again, I'm not, I'm just, we're just giving you a how-to today. We're not getting at the root causes of this. We're just trying to help you out with some how-tos. Absolutely. And I know, Amanda, you've got something coming up too that we kind of mentioned early. Yeah. If you're stuck with how to, you're like, I don't even know how to get started. Well, write, you know, it, it never hurts to write too much. So figure out what is it all that I have to say to answer this question, get it down, get it on paper. And if you're like, okay, now I don't even know where to cut. Like Kimberly said, read it out loud. Sometimes that'll make you more aware. And again, I always would say too, we tend to use filler words when we write. Just at least I do. I know, you know, all the varies and the extras and the whatever. Always. And Always. Like, yeah. Like- if you start all those descriptive words, even though they're nice and helpful, do you read? Did you really need them when you only have such a limited space? So 
make your first pass where you go through and get rid of those things. Or have you said the same thing three times? Well, you only need to say it once. So cut out the other two times, right? Um, and again, if you get to the point where you're like, I simply cannot cut anything else, pass it off to somebody else, you know, a trusted colleague, a grant friend, whoever, ply them with chocolate if you mm. have to. Um, but it's easy for them to slice and dice, right? Because those words are not their baby. When we, when I write something, it's my baby and it's, I've written it and it's beautiful and it's lovely and it's fabulous. And how could I cut a word? Cause it's so good. Yeah. They're not as invested <laughs> in that. Like, I can, I can cut other people's stuff so much easier than I can cut my own, you know, it's, true. Like, it's just, you, it's just the way it is. And so it's really amazing how a fresh pair of eyes can really pare down those extra phrases. Uh, uh, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh, you're so garden. Yeah, you're I don't garden so either. Punny, you're know. so punny. Listen, a, a final uh, tip I would like to add for tightening up the old sentence structure is, is this. Sometimes I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just like looking at that thing and the cursor's blinking, and I'm like, holy mother of pearl! I don't even know. Thanks for How saying mother of pearl. I know. Amanda's like, where's she going? I try. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's a clean um, podcast. It's a family show. <laughs> um, if you, um, something I've done a lot of times for actually around blog posts, but I've also done it a couple of times when I'm really hit a wall with uh, maybe it's a sustainability question, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, you're like, I'm going to have to answer this and it's going to be, but Sometimes I have just dictated into my phone this, particularly when I was doing a lot of business travel and training a lot. At the end of the day, I was working with clients to get stuff done. (laughs) I would lay in bed with the phone in front of my sorry little head and I would dictate into, um, 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 well, I've, I've texted myself for shorter passages. I've eat, sent myself emails where I just talk it out. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I know I need to talk about they've got a uh, rental venue and they've, I mean, uh, venue rental rather, and they've got this and that and this and that that's part of their sustainability plan. And don't forget about X, Y, and Z. And then I send it to myself, download it in a Word document, clean it up. And usually I'm left with, I mean, it cleaned up like fast, right? Yeah. Taking out all the ums and all that other kind of stuff. And then I'm like, oh, well, here are all my key points. And then just make complete sentences. And Bob is your uncle. There you go. So talking about writing tight takes longer than doing it, y'all. <laughs> really, especially with the two of us. Oh, well, seriously. Um, but we hope that reviewing some tools and tips will get you where you need to be. And may the character counts always be in your favor. And just know that you're writing for a good reason to help bring funding in to do good things. And just... Just do your best, and uh, I hope these tips were helpful, and you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That it is. Thank you for listening. Your continued support is the reason we are back for Season 5. Please follow and leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts or share the show with your friends. It really helps us reach more grant and fundraising professionals just like you. And that's what we want to do. So we appreciate your support. Thank you again to our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. 
We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today. We hope you're going to tune in for our next episode where we are going to interview the one person who can out glitter me as we explore the truth of being a good enough grant writer and fundraiser and how that's actually something pretty great. Nice. Looking forward to that. Yes. Yes. So we'll, uh, sparkle you then. Oh, (laughs) glitter at you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.